the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. with you a message the Lord has put in my heart, simply titled, Mostly Cloudy with a Chance of Rain. And yes, I know how to spell rain. There's a reason why it's spelled that way. Mostly Cloudy with a Chance of Rain. Hebrews 12.1. It is unique, the story that unfolds in the book of Hebrews and we, we pick it up in here in the 12th chapter because the book of Hebrews is unique in one way out of all the books of the Bible and that is we do not know who the human author is. We know that the Holy Spirit inspired all of the text but we don't know what the human author was and so I think that's telling in itself. It's a nobody. Everybody say nobody. It's a nobody. And that nobody says this in verse number 1, chapter 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin of which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, I never take lightly the, the, the privilege and responsibility to share your heart with people. I know you cherish them, Father, and I, I just... I just submit myself to your Holy Spirit. I just, Holy Spirit, you have your way. You do what you do so well. Reveal truth to us. Break strongholds in people's lives. Shatter lies. Guide us into truth. Father, I bind up all distractions. I declare a freedom in the house today. And I I just pray, God, that when everything is said and done, you've been honored. I, th- I think that we live in a time of unprecedented struggle around the world. How many would tend to agree with that? It's certainly greater struggles than any time I've known of in my life. Just yesterday, North Korea shot off a bunch of missiles, and we kind of thought that thing was going to be put to bed, and it's... <laughs> But we in the United States have our own problems. We are probably as divided a nation as we've been since the Civil War. And listen to me for a moment. If there isn't a change coming, we will be back there again. I'm not being negative, telling you the truth. I'm not alarmist. 
Whatever I feel like God puts on my heart, I'll, I'll just say it. Back when 2000 happened, you remember that? The Y2K thing? There were ministries born that were warning people about what's going to happen. And, and I, I prayed about it. And, and God told me it was going to be a big nothing. And so I told people that weeks ahead of time. My wife and I got a lot of flack from that. We had people leave our church because we were unwilling to confront the reality that was coming down the road. And you should be getting people ready for this tragedy and ready for this problem, and you're doing nothing. And I said, I'm doing nothing because it is a nothing. I don't mind telling you exactly what God put on my heart. There isn't a change in the direction of this country. We're back there again. But I, like most of us, I don't, I, I, I got too much on my plate to worry about North Korea. And I got, I got struggles of my own. Can anybody else relate? I, I certainly can't solve North Korea, and I can't solve the problems in the United States, man. I, I'm like everybody else. I, I got bills to pay. I got carpet in my kitchen that stinks. It's been there since 1952. Who put carpet in kitchen? I don't know. But how many know you spill stuff in the kitchens? Well, it's been being spilled on since 1952. And I, I got to get it. Anybody else relate? I, I can't help a guy over in Korea. I, I got smelly carpet. I got chickens that tear up my wife's flower bed. So we have a choice to make, eggs or flowers. I got real problems, people. I got a garage that's a mess. Anybody else? I got a basement that's a mess. It's been a mess since we moved in. And I, I, I purpose of every season of my life, we're going to get that thing straightened out. And here we are almost four years later. Can anybody else relate? There's a purpose in where I'm going. Sometimes life is so full, I sometimes can't fathom my being used of God in any meaningful way. Anybody ever get there? It isn't just that we're busy, it's just that we feel so stinking average. Anybody else feel average? Anybody in this room feel below average? You ever, you ever been in situations you, you feel like everybody else knows what's going on but you? You don't know what to do? <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to tell this. I, I'd never worked in a factory before. And, uh, and it was a, a few hours into my first day. And I, I had to go to the bathroom. And I, I walked into the bathroom and... Man, I could, it didn't look like a normal bathroom. 
thought, what? where's the, the things you use? And over here was a line of sinks. And in the middle of a room was what looked like a fountain. It was round. And you pressed on a, a, on a ring and, and water came out of the middle of the fountain. And well, There's where you wash your hands. This is the stupidest toilet I've ever seen in my life. I mean, you're right there in front of everybody, and you're all in a circle. I, I haven't done that with my brother since I was five. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is, I'm just, I'm just going to quick, because I don't want I don't want to tell the story either, but let me get it out, okay? <laughs> and I, I just, uh, I thought, I'm just, I, I got to go. I got to get back to my job. And so, <laughs> and I was about halfway done, and somebody walked in. He looked at me for a second. He walked over the other side of it. I thought, well, good. Somebody, at least I'm not alone anymore. He walked up to it and started washing his hands. And he said, he just looked at me and said, most people use the urinals around the corner. And I said, there's, oh, there they are. At times I feel so flawed. Anybody else? I got up the other morning and my phone wasn't making any sounds. I went through the settings, it's not making any sounds. I rebooted, it's not making any sounds. It's I see that a phone call was coming through, but it's not making any sounds, and I'm like, I don't have time for this and I fooled with it and fooled with it and fooled with it and then oh yeah it's still muted <laughs> had to take it off a of mute like I do every stinking morning and at times I, I, I feel like I have failed anybody ever felt like you failed even trying to do the right thing Worse, you ever felt like you're a failure? Am I talking to anybody? And most of us in this room are pretty sure God is going to do something incredible. And we hope to have a front seat and watch it happen. Because we know God's going to use somebody to do something incredible. It's just not us. Our text started off with the word therefore. I heard a Bible teacher say one time, whenever you see a verse that says therefore or wherefore, you need to find out what it's there for. Because what the author is saying is, because of what I just told you, this is true. 
So what is it that he just told us? In chapter 11 of Hebrews, he talks about a lot of those people that have gone on before us. He begins to name them and their struggles and their realities, and he's telling us all about many of them. He, some of them he just names, some of them he gives you specifics about their life, but he takes a whole chapter, he or she takes a whole chapter and talks to you about all of these flawed individuals. But before he does that, he gives us verse number four. Hebrews chapter 11, verse four, it says this. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it he being dead still speaks he came being dead still speaks he doesn't speak in an audible language he lest your mind go in the wrong direction I'm not talking about the dead coming and visiting you doesn't happen but he's talking about their witness he's talking about in the spiritual realm that even though Cain and you know it's, it's funny that he starts there because Cain's story is pretty short it's it's not extravagant it's kind of a short story And yet what he did in his life, the author of Hebrews is saying, it's still speaking to you and I now. That's the therefore. So we go back to verse, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, what's the therefore? Because of all these people that have gone on before, that are named, that are talked about, Not only them, but anybody in this room, you have somebody that you know has made it into heaven. Maybe a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, a pastor, a friend. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded The enemy always wants to make you think that you're surrounded by him. Just like the song that we sang this morning, the reality is we are surrounded, all right. But we are surrounded by a great cloud. Everybody say great. That's a word that somebody would use in a great language to say innumerable. There's so many we can't count them. It says we are surrounded right now by a great cloud of witnesses. You know what a witness does? A witness tells you 
what they saw. And this word is very telling because there is no such thing as a silent witness. Nobody ever goes into a courtroom and sits down and just sits there for a half an hour looking at everybody and then returns to their seat. They're there to make a statement. How many is with me so far? And the author of Hebrews is making this statement that you and I are surrounded by a great cloud of people that are witnesses that say something. And in this group that Hebrews 11 mentioned, there's an individual by the name of Sarah. You remember Sarah, Abraham's wife. She was real old. I mean old. Don't look at anybody, but I mean old. When the promise came to Abraham from God that he was going to bear children. Now, where most of us in here are adults, you understand that if Abraham's going to have children, Sarah's going to be involved. But she's old. And Abraham is old. It's funny when it tells, the scripture tells the story of Abraham and Sarah in the book of Hebrews, it calls them half dead. Wow. Half dead. And God tells Abraham that he's going to be the father of a great nation. And Abraham comes in from his nightly visit with God and he goes into his tent and he tells Sarah, guess what God told me? We're going to have kids. And she laughs at him. Dude, serious. I love you, man, but come on, we're half dead. And time goes by. A long time goes by. Abraham's not sure this is ever going to happen. And Abraham gets a divine visitation, and and the, the word of God is reaffirmed to Abraham. And Sarah is standing in the doorway of the tent, and she hears the angel tell Abraham, you're going to be the father of many people. And Sarah hears it, and she laughs again. (laughs) And the angel says to her, did you just laugh at what I said? And she goes, I didn't laugh. (laughs) No, no, you laughed. We're going to move from Sarah to Abraham. He's old. He he doubted what God said about him. 
he thought, thought that maybe God, Sarah and Abraham both thought that God needed help. And so Sarah said, take my handmaiden. She can give you kids. And she did, but that, how many knows God doesn't need help? Sarah laughed at what God told her he was going to do through her. Anybody here, you so full of doubt of what God's going to do through you, you laugh at the thought? Abraham is going to be the father of a great nation, and God gives him a child by the name of Isaac, and he's raising Isaac up, and then one day Abraham gets word that God wants Isaac sacrificed. doesn't seem like it fits something's wrong but Abraham takes the child up on the mountain and he gets ready to sacrifice him draws the sword as 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 Isaac lays on the altar is getting ready to stab him and the angel of the Lord says stop Abraham almost killed the promise of God in him anybody feel like you've almost killed the promise God made of you? What about Gideon? He sees the challenge before him. He sees the struggle. And he knows he's called, but he's hiding. Anybody in here hiding? Anybody in here hiding? Anybody in here intimidated what you feel like God's called you to do? Anybody? Come on. Listen, I want to tell you something. If what God's called you to do doesn't scare you spitless, you probably don't yet know what God's called you to do. If you think you can do it, that ain't it. He doesn't call us to do the possible. He calls us to do the impossible. We could do the possible. Only he can do the impossible through us. And Gideon is hiding. And the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Gideon, you great man. We have Sarah over here. We have Abraham. We have Gideon. We have another one in this group. She's easy to discount. Her name is Rahab. Rahab sold the promise of God in her life for something cheap. She just needed money. She's a prostitute. Prostitutes don't get in it for the experience. They get in it because they're broke. Typically, they have a habit that costs a lot, and this was a way to get a lot of money. Rahab is called the harlot. She's a prostitute. But the writer of Hebrews mentions her in Hebrews 11. More than that, As much or more than any other woman in the Old Testament, Rahab is mentioned in the New Testament. At least five times. 
she's a woman who life has so overwhelmed her, she's got to the place she sells herself. She sells herself just to make ends meet. But then more than that, Josephus, the historian, says that she actually had an in. That's a kind word for it. You know, in some, in some beauty shops, those, those beauticians don't, don't all work for the beauty shop owner. They, they rent the booth. And they have to pay a percentage of their income, and they have to pay rent on the booth. And, and it was likely that Rahab's inn was that kind of an inn. Where you had working girls who rented a room. And if Rahab's story ended there, that would be tragic. But, but one day, Joshua and the Israeli army is about to overtake the city she's in. And he sends two spies in to spy out the land. And the guys end up staying at her inn. She had good rates. And when they get to her place and get a room, she says this. I know your God has brought you here. I know the Lord has brought you here to take over our city. I know the Lord, and here's what's unique about her language, even in the Hebrew text. She is not talking about somebody else's God. She's almost calling him on a first-name basis. I know the Lord. I, I, know, I know him. Look what a mess she's in. But... And so the spies make a deal with her. They said they found that the, the leaders of the city now know that the spies are in the city, and they're looking for them. The spies say, if you, if you help us, will spare you. So she helps them. She helps them hide on the roof as the, as the guards come in and search her in. And they don't find the spies. And so the spies sneak away and Joshua invades the city and Rahab is spared. And it's a good thing she's spared because she's in the lineage of Jesus. There's Rahab. Hebrews eleven thirty-two. Let's talk about one more person first. David. When the prophet has been a Directed by God to go anoint the next king over Israel. It's one of Jesse's sons. So the prophet shows up to Jesse's house and Jesse has his sons lined up. So the prophet can survey his sons and anoint one of them the next king over Israel. But there's one son that isn't there. You know the story. He's tending sheep. You see, David knows what it's like not to be loved or respected even by his own father.
and even after the prophet skips over all the other sons and said, surely you, you have to have another son, does Jesse grudgingly say, yeah, somebody go get David? And David is brought forward, and David is anointed king over Israel. And when he's done, he goes back to being the shepherd boy. Time goes forward, and we, we hear about David again because David is still nothing but the fetch boy. How I many know what a fetch boy is? David's dad calls David in and said, David, fetch some lunch for your brothers and take it to them on the battlefield. Find out how they're doing for me. David's in this cloud of witnesses around us. Hebrews 11, 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouth of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. I want you to notice what it says there. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. You've got to see what it says. They, they were made strong because they knew they were weak. Anybody in here feel weak? Anybody? Do you understand that, that all these people that the writer of Hebrews 11 is talking about, he's saying every one of them felt weak. Can I tell you that if you think you can do it, you probably can't. If you think I can do all things, you're going to fail. But if you know that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, in weakness made strong, they became valiant in battle. Listen to me, if you're waiting for valiancy, if you're waiting for bravery before you get into battle, you don't understand how God works. He doesn't build the bridge and then you walk across it. You leap off the cliff. And you know that he is going to take care of you. It's said of a mother eagle when it comes time for the eaglet to be shoved out of the nest because the eaglet doesn't want to get out of the nest. The nest up until this time has been lined with the fur of animals. And, and they sit there and all they got to do every day is when mom shows up, there you go and just feed it in and everything is comfortable and the food just keeps coming and but there comes a time that the eaglet's got to get out of the nest amen it's got to fly 
And I'm sure there are times when that little eaglet is watched from the nest and watched mom and go, wow, look at her. She just soars and just, if you've seen an eagle fly, you know what I'm talking about. There, it's like no other flight. And that's what's wrong with, with too many of us is we're in our comfortable place. And we want to watch the superstars do it. Come on. There'll come a time when the mother eagle understands, dude, you can't hang in the nest no more. And so she'll take the fur and throw it out. It starts to get uncomfortable. Then she'll coax the baby eaglet to get on her back. And she'll take off. Man, what that first ride must feel like. And she'll go up, and I'm sure that eaglet's like, this is, yeah, yeah, we can do this. We can do this. This is good. And then she will just turn over and drop the eaglet. Go to YouTube. You can see the videos of it. And that eaglet is like, <laughs> what? wait a minute, Mom. And it's falling, and it's falling, and it's falling, and it's like, I can't believe she did this to me. You ever been there with God? Come on. And the eaglet sees the ground rushing up faster and faster, but before the eaglet hits the ground, mom swoops underneath it to take it back up again. I want to tell you something. Your God can fly faster than you can fall. You will not crash with him. But you got to get out there. You got to throw yourself into it. If you're waiting to give somebody a word until you have the whole word, you'll die waiting. You might have a thought. You might have one word. You might get in front of their face and you don't know what to say. But you know you're supposed to say something. Somebody say amen. And they... They, they became valiant in battle. You want to know where you find the bravery for battle? In battle. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Now this isn't Yoda. This is the non-Jews. But look what it says. They turned to flight them. You know what that meant? They were headed the opposite direction. They were leaving and all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, let's give this a try. Can anybody relate to this? Listen, if you want to live your life just average, if you want people to get up at your funeral and say, Next. Then don't try anything. Truth of the matter is, you weren't born average. That's an indictment on God. You were born for more. And when you can get out of this, I'm just average. I'm, 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 I'm too flawed. 
you can get to the place to know that that God uses flawed people he uses average people look what it says here in Hebrews 11 verse 39 and all of these all of these all having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise it didn't finish listen to what it says God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect or complete apart from us. What does that say? They know they're not done. You, you saw it. Pull open your Bible. I didn't make it up. They're not made perfect until you and I are finished. There are some parents who would like to have the best trophy on the shelf. And then there are real parents who would like their children to have the best trophy on the shelf. Are you with me? We put it all together. We are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Sarah, Gideon, Abraham, Moses, David, Rahab. And they encompass. And they see we are encompassed about by this great cloud of witnesses that would tell you don't quit. Rahab would tell you, don't, don't tell me you're too messed up. Don't, don't, don't go there. Jesus came through me. Sarah would say, you, you think you got unbelief? I laughed at the promises of God. How could he make something good out of me at this old age? She says, I'm laughing now, but it's for a different reason. Abraham would tell you, I almost killed the promise of God for me. But in the last moment, God turned everything around. You're here this morning and you think that what you have done is so tragically bad that God can't use you. Abraham would tell you differently. He's a witness. When you think you're just too much of a mess. My dad didn't even respect me. My family didn't even own me. Nobody saw me as anything but garbage. David would say, I know exactly how you feel. If God can use me, he can use anybody. I'm a witness to that. We, we see this being borne out in the scriptures when... Stephen was taken aside and because of his belief they were stoning him 
How many know the story? And the Bible said that the heavens were opened. It literally means for a moment the veil that separates us from the supernatural was taken away. And you could see what was going on. And the Bible says that they saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Now the time before we, this when we see Jesus, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. But in this moment he's standing, and I'll tell you why he's standing. In those days they didn't have a courtroom where the witness came to the witness stand. When a trial was being held, a call went out. Is there anybody present who has anything to say about this matter? And the witness would stand. So when Stephen looked up into heaven and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, Jesus was saying to Stephen, I got something to say about this, man. I know what it's like when everybody turns against you and doesn't believe. And I want you to know, man, I'm with you. This temporary pain is not worthy to be compared to the great joy that awaits you. God was standing on his behalf. Hallelujah. And listen, church, you need to know, you need to know that heaven, all of heaven is on your side. Some says, well, I don't believe that heaven, heaven even knows what's going on down here. Jesus would disagree with you. Jesus said that all of heaven rejoices when one lost lamb is found. Do you know when, when you got saved out of your mess that all of heaven just went nuts? I can see heaven saying, let's do the wave, man. <laughs> let's get this thing going. That which was lost is found. That which is broken is mended. A name is being written down. Set another place at the table. You got to know that. You got to know that before you, before me, is somebody who has had the same struggles you and I go through. We feel inadequate. We feel average. God's going to use somebody better than me. There is somebody already in heaven who feels the same way. Andrew, I think if Nehemiah could speak to you right now, he would say to you, I know what it feels like to look at a city and it's devastated. Like you look at men and their lives are devastated and it seems like nobody was helping and so nehemiah he sought the king that he might be blessed to go and and fix the lives of people whose lives were broken nehemiah knew what it was like to have to work and have an enemy always badgering in his ear day and night night and day andrew you're not alone man Nehemiah would say, I know what it's like, man. You have that voice that keeps speaking to you. You'll never finish this. You'll never make a difference. Nehemiah would tell you, keep going, Andrew. You're doing something. Go, man of God, go. Because we are encompassed about, and listen, listen, if, if, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. To see your child something that you were a part of, do something. 
my dad had his struggles. He, he mellowed some in the older years. He never came to anything. He just never came to anything with us kids. Never a baseball game, never a wrestling match, never a football game, never a cross country, never a track meet. Nothing. I'm not being critical. I'm just telling you the story. I'm out of high school, and Dad's mellowed some. My brother Craig was a, was a good track runner. He was short, but he was fast. I was going to go watch him run in a track meet, and I, I badgered my dad. I said, come on, Dad, you ought to go with me. Craig's the second to last kid. There's six of his kids, and he hasn't been to one event. When I graduated from high school, you know how it goes. Your, the auditorium is full of people. They go in alphabetical order. This guy goes, they gounce his name, and everybody claps, and the family stands and cheers, and they clap. And they announced Michael J. Rice. And it was that quiet. There wasn't a soul in that building of my family. I walked across the stage. You could hear the crumpling of the paper when he handed me my diploma. I shook his hand. I took the picture, tried to fake a smile. I walked off the stage, and after, um, as I'm walking off the stage, they announced the next person. Cheers go up. Obviously, I felt about that big. Can you relate? My dad surprised me. He said, when are you leaving? I said, I'm leaving now. He said, give me a minute, I'll go. I stuck my head in the family room. I said, Mom, Dad's dying. <laughs> Something's wrong. We went in the track meet went up in the bleachers and sat down and watched it go and my brother Craig was involved in two, two events he, he, he final leg on the 800 yard dash they call it the 800 meter now I think and, and the 100 yard dash and, he, and he, he won both of those events and while the crowd was cheering and celebrating and after each event, after the, it was all over, my dad said to me, yeah, I think I missed a lot by not being with these things with you kids. A real parent, your kids out there, how many know what I'm talking about? That's, that's, that's my kid. You are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. you're going through what you're going through, you're not by yourself, man. There's somebody. There's probably a lot of somebody's in that cloud that know exactly how you feel. They know exactly how you feel. They know what you're facing. And if the, the, the veil between here and that world could be pulled aside, you would see them standing and saying, hey, come on. Come on. Come on. 
You can do it. I did it. I'm dead but still speaking. Come on, get up. Don't stop. If you can fly, fly. If you can run, run. If you can walk, walk. But if all you can do is stand, then stand there for. But don't quit. There are somebody encouraging you right now. Would you stand to your feet? That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.